welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast, where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, and today on the podcast, uh, we are doing another interview. I'm kind of switching it up because I've got some exciting news for next week. But uh, today on the podcast, we're joined by my friend, my former coworker, Kelsey Merkley. Kelsey and I met working in the nonprofit sector, and she was always such a creative, strategic thinker. Like, I know I was always, I was actually quite intimidated by her, but she knows that, but that's fine. Um, She's such a smart, smart woman, and also incredibly talented as an artist. It was kind of like, I mean, most of the people at the organization that I worked with, I felt like we had so many different things going on in our lives that there was like the work version of us and the home version of us and the artistic version of us. It was just, it was a really interesting place to be. So in this interview, I talked to Kelsey about sort of what it was like growing up in small town BC, how she moved into the creative field, and then how she kind of navigated, you know, building her career uh, as a goldsmith and making jewelry while also sort of working in the nonprofit sector at the time, and her time in Italy. Uh, She spent uh, quite some time in Italy, we talk about it in the interview, uh, learning from these masters of jewelry making and goldsmithing um, from the Italian area. And I remember seeing some of the pictures that she would share when she was on this trip, and it was just absolutely incredible. I'm so excited for you to hear from a very creative entrepreneur, right? Because so often I think we're told that to be creatives, we have to be starving artists. And I think Kelsey shows how you can figure how you can figure it out in a creative way for lack of a better for lack of a better word. Now, the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. So this specific episode is brought to you by Straight from the CPA's Mouth, which is a new podcast series by the CPA Education Foundation and funded by the HESHI CPA Knowledge Center. Alberta's Chartered Professional Accountants, or CPAs, are experts on a wide range of topics and issues to Albertans. Straight from the CPA's mouth has discussions on topics that are important to you, from leadership skills and achieving career potential to financial literacy and how to make your tax refund bigger, which I know we all want. Whether you're a university student, a new Albertan, or a parent, you'll find something of value on this unique podcast. You'll find Straight from the CPA's Mouth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or on the CPA Education Foundation's website at cpaalberta.ca slash foundation. This episode is also brought to you by Storylines, which is a podcast from women in film and television Alberta. Storylines highlights some of the province's most successful women in film and television, both behind the camera and in front of it. Host Sheena Rossiter has uh, is herself a filmmaker, and she has some deep and instructive conversations with trailblazers and experts in the field. You can find Storylines on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it at wifta.ca. That's W-I-F-T-A dot C-A. And right before we get into the interview, I just want to let you know, Kelsey is running a really cool campaign with ATB Booster. So it's basically a really neat take on crowdfunding where there's, you know, a reward strategy in place. So if you want to check out uh, Kelsey's work, which is absolutely incredible, as well as the ATB Booster campaign, you can find it in the show notes, the link for today. You can also go to girltrieslife.com forward slash 
podcast and look for the episode with Kelsey. I will have the ATB booster link in there as well as the links to all of Kelsey's incredible work. Okay, without further ado, let's head into the interview. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey, for coming on that podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm super pumped about this. Like you and I were just talking before we hit record about how we knew each other in a very, in a professional environment, in a maybe slightly stressful professional <laughs> environment. And it, and a lot of the stuff I want to talk to you about today is a different side of you that I didn't get to know as well. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, likewise. So you grew up in like small town BC, right? Yes. Where'd you grow up? I grew up just outside of Cranbrook. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up uh, in a small community called Jim Smith Lake. There's a residential side on one side of the lake and then a provincial park on the other side of the lake. So it's a really beautiful little spot nestled in the mountains. In the summer, we were always swimming in the lake. In the winter, it was frozen. So playing hockey and curling and uh, cross-country skiing around the lake and that kind of stuff. It was very nice. Oh, nice. Well, so it's funny. I, I spent a little bit of time on a small island on the west coast of Scotland. And it was kind of like that beautiful outdoors. But as a kid, that can sometimes also lead to, I don't know about your town, but there was a lot of <laughs> drinking and like misbehavior where I had been. <laughs> so Absolutely. There is a lot of, for lack of a better word, redneckery, I right. would say. And there was a very, the boys were raised in a really strange way, I thought. They kind of had this hockey attitude and they were very macho and needed to be sort of sexually aggressive and, um, and the Toxic girl, masculinity tox- for the win? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jeez. And a lot of the girls, I think, kind of fed into that and were really competitive with each other and often quite... Like they would backstab each other a lot, and it was just so it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful space, and there was a lot of um, amazing opportunities for outdoor recreation. But I always felt like I never really fit because I I, I value my relationships with people and want to build you know beautiful things and beautiful relationships, and I always felt like that was never really a safe space for me. So when you're that age and feeling like you don't fit, where were you wanting to go like did you have a I want to move to x big city or what was that like uh well that's like a few different things I I had an amazing art teacher and I spent a lot of time in the art studio and I just kind of hid out there and I'd come home and put my headphones in and just draw and color and create things and so that was a really great outlet for me I also have two sisters and they're really supportive and awesome and in my grade 11th year my parents actually put me in a program called an environmental awareness program and it was a bit more of a holistic lifestyle program you weren't going to class in the school you were going to class in nature so your phys ed class was on the ski hill and your biology class was beside a river or a pond or something like that and it was much less of a popularity competition and a lot less toxicity it was just really beautiful genuine people who were interested in the world around them and the environment around them and and from my time living in Cranbrook uh, those people are still some of my, my core best friends. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like such a fascinating program and like immersing you into a whole different, 
it kind of makes such a sense as a fit for you, right? Because you have so many different interests in, in how systems work and, and all that kind of stuff that traditional school, I think, doesn't fit for most people, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that was something that I really struggled with as well. Like I, I never really felt like I fit within the system and I never felt like I felt with fit within the people within the system. So having parents that recognize that and push me into the creative arts and push me into the environment was amazing. And, and another big component were, were my grandparents. My grandfather was a surgeon and he volunteered around the world in war-torn countries. So he spent a lot of time in Vietnam and Afghanistan and Nepal. And he would always come home with these beautiful trinkets and treasures from his travels and, and sort of share that world with me and my grandmother traveled with him often but she was sort of like a an Audrey Hepburn type she you know yeah. she always had a big sunglasses and tons of jewelry and a headscarf and just really represented confidence and I think the combination of all of those things just protected me and and showed me that there was other ways to live within the world yeah so when did you leave just outside of Cranbrook when did you move uh, pretty much as soon as I graduated. So I think I was 18 and I, I bounced around um, Canada a fair bit and I went to Banff right after I graduated, which was very similar to Cranbrook. And then I went out to the West Coast and was in Whistler. And growing up in like a small ski area, that's sort of like the thing you yeah. do is you bounce other sort of ski communities. And I still didn't kind of find my place. It sort of felt like it was very similar to these other spots. And so I moved to Calgary and started going to the Alberta College of Art and Design. Yeah. Well, was that specifically to work, uh, to become a goldsmith? Or was that a general arts? I don't know what the programs are. (laughs) That's okay. So I, my, my mom knew that I wanted to pursue a career in art or in the environment mm-hmm. uh, based off of what my interests were in my grade 11 and 12th year. So she took me on a trip across BC and Alberta and we went to all the different art schools. So we went to Emily Carr, we went to Langara and Kootenai School of the Arts, uh, ACAD and a few other smaller places. And through that that trip I, I really fell in love with ACAP because it was, had more of a craft base back then so it was one of the only uh, schools that focused on craft instead of fine art so you had way more opportunity to explore different materials that I didn't even know were possible yeah. so in our first year they made us take glass blowing graphic design drawing painting ceramics jewelry textiles you know and just were totally introduced to like a breadth of opportunities and industries and creative mediums that I just I didn't even know were were things yeah (laughs) so that was really cool it's kind of like the like the maker movement but like exposing you to all those things in in school so when was the tipping point of like I love jewelry I love goldsmithing that's what I want to do well I, I kind of went back and forth between ACAD and traveling so I went uh, to ACAD for my first year and a half and I just decided I wasn't quite ready to build a career there and I moved and started traveling and went for two years around the world by myself and was exposed to all of these different cultures and different ways of adorning yourself and I that kind of grew a love for cultural anthropology and for jewelry and and textiles so I actually when I finished finished going to 
traveling, I went back to UVic and I did, started an anthropology degree there. Yeah, I saw that on your LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really interesting. And then when I was learning about all these cultures and different ways of making and the ritual aspects and the ceremonial components and the reasons behind why they make, I started to really crave and miss making. Yeah. So I transferred all my credits back to the Alberta College of Art and Design. And I actually enrolled in the textile program there. And it was just a, a jewelry professor who took interest in me and just said, I think you have a lot of talent in this area. And I think that there's more career opportunities for you to be successful here. And I'd really love it if you could seriously consider, you know, coming to, to our department instead of staying in the textiles department. So I thought about it and I thought, you know, it was so wonderful to have someone who really like believed in you and was really rooting for you and willing to support you. And I made the switch and never looked back. Isn't it funny the value of a mentor or someone saying the right thing at the right time? It's so powerful. Absolutely. Like, it's like those sliding doors moments of like, what would your life have been like if that person had never said anything? Would you have found it eventually or would? Yeah. No, yeah. It's interesting. And I, I can't, I can't even imagine my world with my life without that yeah and and without jewelry because I'm so obsessed with it and I have this, this insatiable curiosity to understand yeah. every sort of facet of it and yeah it just fuels me yeah well I'm a, I have a fellow love of travel so this <laughs> two-year solo traveling sounds like right up my alley what was one of your favorite experiences I'm sure there are many <laughs> um my goodness uh well, there, there is a, there's a, a lot, but I think probably the one that stands out the most was I was in a market in Bangkok one day. I met this lovely girl who was eating lychees and selling coconut earrings, and she invited me to uh, an outing with her friends at night. And I met one of her mutual friends who ended up uh, kind of, her family ended up sort of adopting me. So they asked me if I would like to stay with them. I stayed about a week and a week turned into a month. A month oh turned God. into several months. They had a big party for me and all their neighbors came and blessed me and gave me gifts. And it was, it was really special. Yeah. And just to be that integrated into a culture and to be that, that accepted and loved as one of their own was something that was really really special it's funny that like coming from such a small town that you loved Bangkok so much because it's so busy yeah like I mean I loved it but it was <laughs> intense yeah it's and I I have such a love and hate relationship with places like that like yeah. I I love how how many crooks and crannies there are and how everything everywhere you look you're stimulated yeah and everywhere you look there's something to discover and there's bad smells and good smells and everything's kind of <gasps> mixing in with each other yeah. and and I just think it's such a beautiful symphony of senses and yeah. uh, creativity and I love that but I also need to like step outside of that <laughs> and, yeah. and retreat for you know whether that's in my hotel room or to a yeah. beach or something like that but a neat experience to experience Thailand to experience Bangkok as a local essentially the local family and like because it's just night and day a completely different perspective on it mm -hmm. I this is just my little two cents when David and I were uh in Bangkok for a few days we had gone to the Grand Palace and we'd been traveling for so long at the, for almost three months at this point and we're just quite tired by the end of it and the lineups and the groups were massive and we kind of just looked at each other and we're like no we're done. We can't do this today. We're out. And so we walked 
they had no plan, but we essentially walked from the Grand Palace all the way back to our hotel, which was about three hours. Mm -hmm. And just by going through all these streets and these markets and stuff, and I honestly think that was a better, I'm sure the Grand Palace is amazing, (laughs) but it was such a cool experience that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And we're like, glad we did it that way yeah absolutely just living living the life is the the lifestyle there is so different than what we have here and uh, being a part of that energy and the that culture is so enriching yeah so you finish traveling you get back you're doing school when when did you decide that jewelry was going to or what was the process to goldsmithing and jewelry becoming a business or is that a longer road well to be completely honest when I first started making jewelry I really sucked like <laughs> I most of us do it whatever <laughs> we try that's new you know like yeah. I didn't really know what what I was doing I didn't have any refined techniques my yeah. pieces were clunky there was sharp edges on them they were they were a disaster but I also had this sort of expectation that I should be selling my work because that's what artists do so I kind of started from the bottom doing things that were easy so like beading and uh, assembling so ordering parts on the internet and then assembling them into like little components and then slowly building up my skill set and I worked I sold stuff at uh, home shows at farmers markets at all kinds of different places but it was seemed like really disorganized and sporadic and there wasn't a lot of focus on it and I just decided I needed to kind of take a step back and refine my skills so I uh, reached out to a bunch of different goldsmiths in the city and in the Kootenays and to see if somebody would apprentice me and I ended up getting two apprenticeships and I apprenticed for about three years and it was a very grueling three years, as you can imagine. Then uh, the people that were teaching me were from a sort of patriarchal lineage of jewelry making. And uh, there was, uh, I would say, like borderline abuse going on in some of those situations. And are you paid in an apprenticeship or no? You are, but okay. like not a living wage. No. You're, you're, okay. you're barely paid. Yeah. So that was tough, and it's it's a weird sort of relationship where you feel like, I don't know, maybe it's growing up as a woman, or maybe it's growing up as a naive, rural person. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but yeah. you feel like this is part of the process, and that if you quit, you're going to miss something big, or you're going to miss your opportunity, yeah. so you keep going, and you keep investing that time, even though everything in your life has become toxic. Yeah. So it was, it was a really challenging balance between that and then, and this desire through that to refine and improve my skills because yeah. the less I got yelled at, the, well, I, I saw it as the harder I worked, the less I would get yelled at. The more I refined my practice, the less abuse I would have to endure, you know, th- those kinds of things. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was a positive and in a weird way that it, it pushed me to just yeah. like advance my skill set in a really, at a really rapid rate. So three years though, that's a long time to go through toxic work environments. How did you manage the, the stress of that? Cause it would be quite easy to burn out. Absolutely. So I, 
I didn't manage it very well at the beginning. I'll be honest. I most of us don't. (laughs) (laughs) We all have that one. Yeah. (laughs) I would like literally leave my job, and I would stop at Shoppers Drug Mart, buy a bag of candy, and stop at the liquor store and buy a bottle of wine. And I would eat a bag of candy and drink an entire bottle of wine and like be drunk by 8 p.m. Yeah. And just pass out and then stay in bed until the very last minute the next morning dreading going and eventually I just decided this wasn't a way to live my life I'd gained a lot of weight I was feeling really lethargic all the time very unhappy Um, and I was actually at a market selling some of my jewelry and I met the two fitness models who were really into sort of competitive bikini bodybuilding sort of stuff and I'd, I'd always sort of had a negative impression of those people mm-hmm. up until uh, that day because these women were lovely and they were warm and they were empowering and they gave me hope. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, sure, you know what, I will sign up. And all of my sort of negative judgmental associations with that industry were instantly removed with a really empowering group of females and female entrepreneurs and women that had gone through similar sort of abusive relationships in varying capacities and we just sort of found a found a safe space and it was awesome like I just kind of channeled my stress through exercise yeah but then it kind of became like also a little bit unhealthy yeah (laughs) as I think it's finding the sweet spot with anything right like anything that's quote-unquote good for you can become not if you're like if we're overdoing anything right yeah yeah okay I'm interrupting the interview very quickly because I want to tell you about something very 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 exciting I've got going on I always talk to people about how stress is a habit Stress is a habit because you tend to do, you tend to respond the same way to certain types of stressors. You tend to have the same types of stressors that, you know, stress you out for lack of uh, a better term. And how you cope tends to be the same, whether it's from your family of origin, whether it's something you've learned in adulthood, and maybe it's serving you, maybe it's not. But here's the thing, a week at the spa is not going to fix it. And quite frankly, nobody's doing that at the moment anyways. A week at the spa is a band-aid. It's not the solution. What is the solution is making micro changes, micro habit shifts one by one and layering them on top of each other. So that's why I've created this year-long challenge. I'm super excited for it called the Stress Less Habit Challenge. So every month you are going to get, if you sign up for it, you're going to get an email from me, including the challenge for that specific month, the new habit that you're going to adapt. Uh, You're also going to get a downloadable calendar so you can cross that off. And there'll be a bunch of fun stuff that we're going to be doing on social media, including some awesome giveaways. Now, I know you're not flush with time. I'm not flush with time either. So it's all about small little incremental changes. Some of them are like five minutes. Some of them it's just replacing something that you already do. Nothing is going to take a significant amount of time. So if you want to take part in this, head to stresslesshabits.com and sign up and you'll get all the resources there. It's going to be absolutely incredible and July is right around the corner and we'll be starting July 1st. So again, if you want to sign up, go to stresslesshabits.com.
it's funny because you've always seemed someone that can can move quite easily from group to group to group, like seemingly disparate things, right? Like arts and jewelry making and and fit fitness model <laughs> groups or whatnot, and and you know the nonprofit sector. Is that ever something that you sort of think about, or it's just always the way you've you've been multiple interests and easy to kind of like the cultural anthropology right like it's like you're (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I think that I as I said earlier I I really have like an insatiable curiosity for the way things work and different experiences and I've always sort of said I've lived 10 lives in one yeah and like really opposite ends of the spectrums you know I was a park ranger in New Zealand for a while and a photojournalist in Kenya and a competitive hockey player and then you know all my career things that you just you were a competitive hockey player yes I was Kelsey there's like a million (laughs) things I don't know about you that we're not even gonna have time to cover it's it's just a it's a a craziness but I just think just being being curious and you know I I often feel dissatisfied with my experiences until, and I, I believe that dissatisfaction is a temporary state because I'm not looking hard enough. Yeah. And if I, if I spend the time and I look and I try different things, I'll eventually find what I'm looking for. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of the things I've done along the way have been a result of, you know, trying to trying to find that niche trying to find that space that I feel really comfortable and confident and supported in I say this to people all the time because I talk to a lot of people who are like I don't know what my passion is or I don't have a hobby or I don't have any of those things and I'm like I get it get curious like don't feel like the next thing you find has to be the thing just try a bunch of things out and see what lands and what doesn't and there's no shame in letting it go if it doesn't absolutely I 100% agree with that did you ever read the book the one week job project no. Did you ever hear about it? No. So it was this Canadian guy, actually, who like got really great grades. And he was like, I don't know what I want to do for the next part of my life. If I have no passion, I have no whatever. And so for a year, he changed jobs every week. Oh, wow. So he like and ever all the employers knew this, that it was a one week kind of trial thing. But he went all over the world. Like Amazing. he was a park ranger in Hawaii in one of their national parks. He was a baker. He was a like he did anything and everything. And like, I think, you know, he was paid minimum wage or some of the money went towards charity and stuff like that. But I remember reading that and being like, it is all about curiosity and experimentation. Like, we just don't know. And like the same as what you were saying of like, if that one professor hadn't said that thing, could you have found a different life path? Probably. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think life is meant to be lived. And, you know, it's it's wonderful to explore and experience new things. There's obviously, you know, a lot of uh, anxiety and sometimes nervousness that goes into those things, stepping into a new room where you don't have any, you don't know anybody and you don't have any skills in that, in that area. But just, just going to try and finding that, that courage to just get yourself there is, is a big step. Yeah. So what do you, what is it your parents do or what did, um, so my mom is a, she's, re- both my parents are retired now, but my mom was a, uh, high school teacher yeah. and she taught home economics. So with sewing and cooking, yeah. um, more focused in the cooking aspect, but that's what she did. And my dad was a stay at home dad, uh, who did pipelining contracts yeah. occasionally. So, so. Hit. I talk to a lot of creative entrepreneurs who are like, oh, I had some pushback with my parents, but it sounds like your mom, 
uh, or at least, you know, her taking you around all these schools, it sounds like they were very supportive from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I think like my parents, my parents are somewhat bohemian and pretty easygoing. You know, they live in the Kootenays and, um, you know, are just really connected to the earth and some simple things like good food and beautiful objects and that kind of stuff. And they just wanted me to go to university. That's all they really cared about. You know, because from their generation, they saw going to university was sort of like the golden ticket to getting a job and having security in your life, which wasn't the case. (laughs) But that's what that's what they believed. And that's the only thing that they really pushed for. Yeah. So I guess over the past five years, probably you've been working in nonprofit while building your jewelry business at the same time have they kind of just ebbed and flowed into each other sometimes more of one sometimes more of the other um i may be getting my timeline way wrong i'm just just, so i worked for propellus for three years yeah and before that i was doing my apprenticeship yeah and then in the space since we worked together i've did my uh, two years in italy so I guess it, it has been five years yeah. since we've known each other. But um, that for me, like, after leaving that really toxic work environment, I was so, like, I was so beaten down. And I hit a point, even though I'd advanced so much in my skills, that I just thought, do I even want to do this anymore? Like, if, yeah. this, if this is what this is going to be like for the rest of my life, I don't think I can sustain this. Yeah. So I just want something, anything different. And... A good friend of mine and yours, Katie, uh, who I grew up with in the Kootenays, said, you know, this organization I worked for is amazing and they're hiring. Would you be interested? And I went for an interview and I got hired. And it was really more about having a break and and rediscovering my self-worth in a different capacity. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, for sure. So, you know, like I, my whole life I was sort of like the creative kid and I was always sort of pigeonholed for that, like being really creative and uh, pigeonholed in a good way and a bad way. Like, oh, yeah. like artists are so disorganized and they're this and they're that. And, you know, and then it was my, my opportunity working for this nonprofit organization was my opportunity to show that I'm not a typical artist. Yeah. I'm super organized. Yes, you are. I'm super like efficient and... Analytical and systems yes, thinking and, analytical yeah. and systematic and all that sort of stuff so it was a really good opportunity for me to explore those aspects of my life yeah. and and my skill set and through that it really gave me the confidence to really build my business yeah. to be like okay like I got this like I yeah. understand how this works I understand what I need to do I know how to like project manage things and keep to a t- timeline and how to produce and distribute all of that kind of stuff yeah. so it it ended up being, you know, a really positive break for me. Yeah, that's great. Well, and then I was very sad to see you go because you went to Italy on a on a scholarship. Yes. Now, we were kind of just talking before we went on about how, and I think it is very, I, I experienced this when I backpacked Southeast Asia for three months. People are like, oh, it's amazing. I could never do that. I could whatever. And you're like, the reality of these things is never quite like what it looks like on the surface. But what was that? It was supposed to be one year and it turned into two. What was that experience like for you? So 
<laughs> it was a it was a, a mix mix of yeah. feelings and emotions and that kind of thing. Um, my whole life, I always wanted to study in Italy or the Mediterranean, um, just because that's sort of where the goldsmithing evolved mm-hmm. and originated in the way that we understand it today. Um, so, like a lot of Tuscan, so what are they? Etruscan, Etruscan yeah. people and Roman people and. Uh, the, a lot of the tools and techniques sort of evolved from that er, area in the world. And I really wanted to be there to explore that history and the, the techniques that were still in being used today. So I originally went uh, through an exchange with East Carolina University. And the head of the program is a woman named Linda Darty, And Linda Darty is a world-famous enamel list artist and she has pieces in the Smithsonian and it's just you know world-renowned incredibly talented most humble woman you'll ever meet in your life and she had this program in Italy which was a three-month intensive enameling program um with a lot of travel associated with it so we we traveled around to different areas went to different museums and had history lessons and that kind of stuff it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life but it was also one of the most grueling intensive experiences of my life because you were expected to produce a ton of work and travel and participate and like you I'm an introvert so that constant stimulation of having meals with your classmates and you know sharing bedrooms with your classmates and never really kind of you didn't even have a private bedroom I had a private bedroom in the town that we lived in when we were in the town but we spent a lot of time traveling and whenever we were traveling we never had private bedrooms so just like that constant like being on and being on the go was really exhausting and it was difficult to find space for yourself yeah um but you know I learned a ton I got to work with some of like the best artists in the world I got to live in this beautiful old castle in the Tuscan hillsides and it was pretty incredible yeah but it's it's like you're saying like any of these experiences there is always the the harder elements to go through as well like I remember going to France on an exchange and it was it was such an incredible experience but we arrived there and did not realize no this information was in nowhere in our university exchange that you had to set up your electricity when you got there oh no you didn't start with electricity (laughs) we arrived at 5 p.m and on a holiday weekend so we didn't have electricity for four days so we were like boiling water in the hallway of our apartment building (laughs) and like you know it's france gotta love it but i mean it was but again like beautiful castle great people you know some partying and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but like you know there's drawbacks to everything and like and the studying was hard like French is it, it went as anything in a second language is or did you speak Italian before you went no I did not yeah yeah have, how much have you did you pick up along the way uh well my comprehension is is really good but my my speaking is still yeah uh, lacking and the, the longer I spend away from there the more you know I lose yeah. and the more I forget and yeah, yeah. 
but um, I had a similar experience because once I finished my three months with Linda, I was like, I don't want to leave. Like, I'm just like having this amazing, you know, enriching creative experience. And like, how can I stay here to learn more of these old world techniques? Mm -hmm. So I went into Florence and I went to all of the, there's like a real hub for goldsmithing schools there. And I went to all of them to find out about the programs and the costs associated with them and whatnot. Uh, Met this beautiful Chilean girl and she had a scholarship um, at the school that she went to and worked as a a studio technician now and so she invited me to apply and I applied and I won third place in this international um, competition arrived in it went home to Canada for a few months went back to Italy arrived to discover all of my classes were in Italian and oh my god (laughs) And you're like, and like the same with you, like none of this had been like shared with me. So I had a a translator uh, whose fourth language was Italian and whose third language was English. Yeah. So she was going through like quite a... I only speak two <laughs> and barely the second. So yeah. anyone who can speak four, power to them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And like, I mean, we, we got through it. We got yeah. by. But it just, like, the the nuances yeah. and the, the level of detail that's required when instructing someone on such a precise art yeah. is is challenging. So you just had to, like, really watch and listen for uh, words and have, you know, your recorder on to just following the kind of line (laughs) of it as best you can yeah yeah absolutely so did that shape where you wanted to go with your career uh yeah absolutely I really wanted to stay in Europe because Europe values the art of goldsmithing in a completely different way than they do North America like they still honor these 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 time the, the time that it takes yeah. to, to build something and the technique and the skill to hand build something, whereas North America is much more about uh, using mass, mass manufacturing and cutting costs wherever you can yeah. and using a lot of uh, innovative technology to produce things in a really fast way, uh, which I think is a really cool thing all on a, of its own, but being somewhere where people just get you and get yeah. what you do and they value it and they appreciate it and they're willing to pay for it is is different and there's and the history of it it's all around you there's these yeah. amazing museums and monuments and uh you're just in this really inspiring place and a community where i i've never felt that sense of community before in my life yeah. so tell us about your business where can people find you in your work uh, so they, you can follow me on Instagram at never nude, so at nvr.nude.jewelry, or they can find me on my website, which is nevernudejewelry.com. We will link to all of those in the show notes for yeah. today. Sounds great. So I'm curious because we were talking about this again before we start, started recording. There is um, any kind of entrepreneur there's a level of stress and uncertainty in how you manage that. How, what's your sort of best advice for creative entrepreneurs on how to manage that as they go? What's worked well for you? Well, I think you have to take it a couple of steps back before you can manage your stress. So I think you have to really first know who your audience is and how you're trying to reach them and be focused in in that. 
So know your price point, know your audience, know your venues and, and that sort of space because the more you know who you're trying to target in your in your marketing and who's going to like buy into your work, the less stress you have in your life. Yeah. So the more focused you are on your production, uh, the easier it is for you. I think yeah. at the beginning it's really natural to be discombobulated and think oh if I do a little of this I do a little of that yeah. a little of that and it's a great way to test everything and it's I think that's really awesome to do especially when you have a job and you have some security behind you yeah and you can sort of explore different avenues and sort of see what works the best for you and what inspires you the most as a creative um and then from there once you sort of establish that I think it's just really for me it's about scheduling yeah. And I have to sometimes force myself to schedule time in to take a break because it's so easy to get so immersed in it. It sometimes is really hard to pull yourself out. Yeah. And if I schedule time or if I tell the people around me to, if I start acting a certain way mm-hmm. to make sure they pull me out and I can rely on them, I'm always like a little bit grumpy with them when they first pull me out, <laughs> but that's really helpful for me. Yeah. What are sort of your signs that you're getting a little stressed because it's different for everyone I think yeah I I really feel it in my body so I have problem with sciatica like I have a old car accident injury my right shoulder which gives me tension headaches I start to feel tensions and I just start to move in a different way I start to kind of hunch and uh, just feel a lot of pain physically in my body yeah also I become very irritable yeah. I just find everything and everyone around me super uh, heightened and yeah. annoying and the short way <laughs> yeah, yeah, short fuse and the way I I deal with them is is a little bit frightening to me. Yeah. Because I just have no patience or tolerance. Yeah. And when I'm when I'm not in that high stress place, it's just like whatever, cool, okay, yeah. that's good. Isn't it funny how like how much stress or anxiety can change us as a our personality and how we show up? Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, I think those are great tips and and to be aware of different signs of what's going on in your body. So thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. What's next for you? Well, I just completed a uh, intensive six-week program through MMP. Uh, they're an accounting firm in Canada and they have a partnership with the Alberta government and they sort of sponsor people that go through an intensive uh entrepreneurial startup uh, course similar to ATBX so I just completed that and I'm in the process of solidifying my business plan and I have a potential opportunity to go to Athens to do a residency and uh, teaching sort of gig for three to six months so I'm looking into that and then just shows and exhibitions and new collection and all that kind of stuff oh I think it's amazing well your work is absolutely stunning so I'm big fan um so we'll move into the five final questions I ask all of my guests one of them we've kind of answered because I talked about one of them is how do you manage stress and all that kind of stuff so we'll skip that one because you've pretty much covered it what are some of the things maybe we've covered it maybe we haven't that get you fired up in a good way curiosity yeah I just think you know the opportunity to learn and explore and discover new things whatever that may be whether that's a new recipe a new goldsmithing technique uh, a new person a new cocktail you know anything like that I just love that discovery and it seems to me like that's such a way to really get the most out of life right Mm -hmm. yeah 
what's a book that you've read that you've been like very inspired by? So uh, there's an author called Victoria Finley, and she's in the UK, and it's something along the lines of a secret live lives of jewels, and it was all it's about about how gemstones originate. So oh, cool. the sort of secret life that they have underground or in the ocean, and how they emerge to into the world of jewelry and that yeah. process and she just has beautiful poetic writing and I just thought it was so so fascinating to be connected to my work at that depth of a level yeah I love it well we will link to that in the show notes we've talked about stress we've talked about how you manage that what's one of the best life lessons you've learned or advice that you've been given I think one of the best life lessons I've learned especially through my extensive traveling is Life is life no matter where you are. Yeah. You know, it's so easy for us to romanticize and try to escape to a different country or place. And I think temporarily for vacations, it can be really effective. But in the scheme of things, life is life no matter where you are. And whatever you have going on within yourself, you're going to carry it with you wherever you go. So best to sort of resolve those things and not carry them with you. Yeah. I love it. And the final question, Kelsey, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? For me to live my best life, to be my own boss, have autonomy over my work and my schedule, to sleep when I want to (laughs) sleep, to work when I want to work, and to travel when I want to travel. I think that's amazing, and I wish you all the best. Thank Thank you so so much. much. Okay, thank you so much for listening to that episode with Kelsey. I know you will have enjoyed it as much as I did. Again, if you want to join the Stress Less Habits Challenge, which starts July 1st, go to stresslesshabits.com and we're going to start to layer in habit change to help you stress less, live more, and actually enjoy your daily life. Yes, even with COVID, it's possible. Have a fantastic week and we will chat to you next time. 